Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk. And this week I'm joined by Aaron from the podcast Hey Strangeness. Hello Aaron. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic, Reeves. How are you? I'm excited to be I'm here. I'm all right. Yeah, a bit hot. We're not, we're not used to this uh, hot weather over here. It's a bit yes. warm today. I've been hearing about that. Yes, I yeah. hope you're all right. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'd rather have the hot weather than it being raining. I don't mind rain, but, you know, a bit of hot weather. Can't go wrong. So, uh, Hey Strangeness, the podcast. I, um, I've become a bit of a listener recently, and I've been uh, going through your episodes. You do a... Uh, you cover a, a lot of topics about the paranormal and uh, cryptids and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, folklore and all that stuff. I understand that your The Hey Strangeness used to be a blog and it kind of transformed into a podcast. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, originally, Hey Strangeness was an Instagram page where I showed off my collection of weird books, um, ranging from everything from cryptozoology to ghosts to UFO encounters, you know, unsolved mysteries, all that stuff. Um, anything you could fit in the category of something strange. And then I just started having a lot of really positive and interesting interactions online with other members of the community, both through Instagram and and Clubhouse and a couple other apps. Um, And at about the same time, my wife, Sarah, and I were, you know, regularly having these fairly in-depth conversations about all this stuff because I was spending so much time reading about it and I wouldn't stop talking about it. And she was actually the one that pitched the idea to me one day in the middle of one of these conversations. Well, why don't we just do a podcast? I'll do it with you. You just have to produce it. Okay, that was a little over a year ago. Now here we are. You've been going for a year. You've got a listener base because <laughs> one of those things where you kind of put it out there and uh, you think, well, who's going to listen to this? You know, mm-hmm. uh, just because I like it doesn't mean it's everybody else. But you have mm-hmm. got a listener base somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so when you sort of transformed your blog into a podcast, what, was it a bit of a, a shock to think? Wow, this is this is quite a lot of work. I did do a lot of research before we started because I'm really good at starting things and never finishing them, never following through. I love to start things. So I did a lot of research and we did a lot of reading before we actually started the show just to try to get an idea of how much work was going to go into each episode. I think I was a little prepared for it, but you know, there's nothing like doing something. So yeah, I think for sure it was a little bit of a shell shock. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this actually takes a considerable amount of time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got a, quite a varied uh, bunch of topics on your mm-hmm. uh, on your sort of playlist, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, how do you sort of do that? Because a lot of shows they stick to kind of one kind of thing and just do that, you know, over and over and just get really good at it. But mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to sort of do a show where every week you've got something different. And you've still got that kind of same vibe. That's a really good question, Reeves. Um, kind of happened organically, honestly. Really is just whatever we're, we happen to be interested in that week, whatever I've recently bought a book on or <laughs> seen a documentary about or whatever's just come across my radar. A lot of our shows were prompted by people actually reaching out to us and saying, hey, I have this experience or I saw this thing. You know, in some cases, they actually sent videos or, or pictures. And in those cases, you know, how do you not dive into that when a witness sends you evidence that you can't debunk? Of course you want to dig into that. But then there's other random episodes like, you know, the one we did on Tom DeLong of yeah. uh, to the stars Academy. Um, that was just fun. Cause we're both fans of his from, you know, when we were in high school. So honestly, it just kind of depends on how we feel that day. I guess I realize that's not a very practical answer. <laughs> Tom DeLong, he's had quite a lot of, um, well, I'm not going to say negativity, but he's been in the limelight recently. And yeah. some of the people that he's uh, been working with uh, are quite high-profile people. 
and there's been some what I would call fallouts along the way. What, what do you think um, a organization, a setup like that, is it really going to make an impact on the UFO scene, the paranormal? So well, mainly UFOs. I mean, that's his thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, because he's kind of came from nowhere and he's mm-hmm. set up this organization and, you know, he's offered evidence and he's shown evidence. And of course, it, the whole UFO field at the moment with, you know, the announcements of certain governments around the world presenting evidence about, you know, we don't really know what these things are. Do you think that we need more organizations like that to sort of take control and move it forward? I think yes, um, to an extent. But I think also there's a lot of danger when you're trying to educate and enlighten and disseminate what you think is important information, but there's also a profit motive. You know, and I really admire a lot of the work that the To The Stars Academy has done, but they also sell t-shirts and they also sell graphic novels and they also sell books. And that's not a bad thing. That's not to say that you shouldn't be able to make a living off yeah. this stuff at all. I just do think as enthusiasts and researchers, and in some cases, believers in this stuff, you've got to filter everything kind of in the same vein as the mainstream TV shows on some of these phenomena. There's a profit motive here. So yeah, there's a lot of special effects. Yeah, there's there's theatrical music. And, and yeah. in, in some cases, what people claim are outright hoaxing activity just to have something to film. So I, I do think it's good when big companies, large entities get involved, people that have money that have influence, Tom Slick back in the day financed Peter Byrne and a lot of people argue that he he did a lot to further Sasquatch research and get us where we are today so I do think it's good but I just think we have to be careful we have to watch yeah. motivations and and look at the source and that's interesting because uh, we are going to come on to uh, Sasquatch in a little bit and mm. uh, he's on the list you know fun but before we uh, we run along there I just wanted to uh find out how you kind of got into the whole paranormal unexplained was it something that that sort of uh was cultivated from a young age or did you just kind of fall into it since i was young the mothman prophecies is the first book i bought with my own money when i was 11 or 12 years old i think um and it took me two years to read it because i was a kid (laughs) but you know i loved that book so it's kind of always been in the background for me Um, It didn't become like a main primary hobby until really the last three years, I'd say, two and a half, three years. And it was kind of just, I don't know, nostalgia. Oh, here's a documentary on the Mothman. I'm going to watch that. And then sort of snowballed from there, really. Small Town Monsters documentaries played a big role in that. I talk about them a lot. I'm a great fan of Small Town Monsters. I love their documentaries. I love it when they, they go out and even if they don't find anything. I mean, they have had a few episodes that... They've had experiences and stuff, and I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. Yeah. One of the things that I don't know if I, I could have ever, ever do is go out to somewhere like that, literally in the wilderness, and be all on your own, uh, just with a, a camera and a flashlight, and you're hearing stuff in the scrub, and you don't know what it is. You can't see it. Mm. Uh, you, you have no clue. And that's, that's, that's quite creepy. It is. Bigfoot and uh, Sasquatch. What, what are your thoughts on that? Something's going on obviously. And maybe that's an easy answer. Um, but this is not this is not something that a bunch of people are making up. I don't buy that. It just doesn't make sense that this many people over this long a span of time spread out over this many large parts of the world are making up the same thing. So then you're left with, okay, well, is it a hallucination? Maybe. Uh, is it a hoax? Maybe. And we probably do have, well, we certainly do have instances that fall under both of these categories. It's just the sheer number of reports. It makes it very difficult for me to stop and go, nah, nothing's really going on here. 
Now, whether this is an unclassified animal, which I'm, I'm, I tend to lean more towards that theory. I think the unclassified animal makes a lot of sense given some of the physical evidence we have, or it's an interdimensional interloper, which is definitely one of the more fun theories or an extraterrestrial, you know, cause there's all these connections with UFOs and Sasquatch sightings or potential connections. Something's going on out there and we haven't quite figured out what it is yet. I wanted to jump in there because, uh, you say like, uh, interdimensional and interloper. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you cover Skinwalker Ranch? We have not covered Skinwalker Ranch, no. I've mentioned it in a few of our episodes. We did do an episode on Dogman that makes mention of it because there's the large wolf stories associated with Skinwalker Ranch, but um, haven't covered it as a topic. There's a lot of uh, speculation regarding Skinwalker and Nids and what they did experience and what they didn't experience and, you know, what their kind of operational Mm -hmm. budget was and did they have the equip- the proper equipment to, to record and document the stuff that was meant to be happening? Uh, but, you know, that's up for speculation. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact is that, you know, people witnessed stuff there. And one of the things they did witness, allegedly, was a, with want of a better word, a portal opening up in a field and mm-hmm. a large mm-hmm. bipedal ha- hairy creature step out of it and walk off across the field. And when they went in search... Uh, they could find nothing. What are your thoughts on that? Because it does have that kind of paranormal connotation with it as well. It does. It does. And I, I may go out on a bit of a limb here. Um, I think it was Jacques Vallée that said you shouldn't try to explain an unknown with another unknown. I may, I'm paraphrasing and maybe misquoting, but, and I think there's some truth to that, but I've become really interested in the concept of like trickster entities, you know, whether we're talking about the djinn or the fae or demonic entities or whatever, you know, there's a wide range of folkloric subjects where you see that kind of thing, you know, or entities are just playing tricks on human beings or messing with them for one reason or another. And when you look at places like Skinwalker Ranch, where you have almost every kind of paranormal phenomena that we can document, poltergeist activity, strange noises, uh, cryptozoological activity, portals, UFOs, it's difficult for me not to think that someone is messing with us or messing with this particular area of space and we just happen to be running into it. And I'm not going to go full board like John Keel and say, yeah, the super spectrum. I love that concept. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. Um, But when I think about cases like Skinwalker Ranch, specifically Skinwalker Ranch, that's what comes to mind for me. Something or someone is messing around Uh, with something here. Well, the thing with Skinwalker is whatever it was that they were, you know, engaging with seemed to be always one step ahead of them. They would go out and buy cameras mm-hmm. and those cameras would be messed with and smashed up and whenever they would mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. go investigate phenomenon that phenomenon would change and be somewhere else in a different location so whatever it was seemed to be definitely one step ahead or had prior knowledge as to what they were going to do therefore you could say that it maybe was omnipresent or it could read the future you know so uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you get into <laughs> questions of time travel and, and the nature of time. And it's it's those cases that really mess with your brain that I... I what enjoy. is interesting yeah, is that some yeah. a lot of the... Well, some of the researchers that were there had to undergo MRIs, brain scans. They had to have medicals. And that starts to make... Push me down the road of if, you know, if certain individuals are requesting you go and take medicals and have monitoring done then what what are they looking for what do they what more do they know that they're mm-hmm. not telling you what you know <laughs> what, Ooh, interesting. That's an interesting is it a possible yeah. that they actually do know what's going on there and that they want to see if there's any effect on the human body 
over a period of time because some of those people were on you know on that land for quite a long time so you know but uh I, you know i i i simply speculate and i've i've read enough about skinwalker now to sort of think there is two sides to the story with skinwalker there's the side that says well you know it's just uh you know ufo's and aliens and then there's the other side to say that maybe there's something more there maybe there is a a hidden human aspect to it that we don't know about i mean mm. yeah i've heard that theory as well it could be a government thing it could be a independent organization just like i said messing with people yeah, I'm aware that you've uh, got a book in the process with with dogmen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What what kind of pushed you to that topic to write to put a book together to cover that? Yeah, so I think it was the third episode we did of our podcast, uh, Hey Strangeness. The the title was uh, the Texas Dogman Triangle, and it was just three dogman sightings, two uh, that were reported to the North American Dogman Research Project, and one that came to us straight from the witness. And when you put these three sightings on a map, it's a triangle of about 700 square miles, uh, smack dab in the middle of Texas Hill Country. And we thought, you know, Sarah and I are like, wow, that's fascinating. Like this environment is conducive to a large animal hiding mm-hmm. out and remaining undetected. There are commonalities in all of these sightings, and these are all independent witnesses. And they all took place within two years of each other. So that was kind of the beginning. But then when you zoom out on the map, these sightings are consistent all throughout the state, a bunch of different areas. And I'd yet to find a a documentary or a book that really comprehensively addressed the idea of werewolves, dogmen in Texas. People have written about it. People have talked about it. Lyle Blackburn, Nick Redfern, Ken Gerhard, uh, uh, the latter two of which I was able to talk to while writing this book. That was pretty neat. They've covered the topic and touched on it, but I'd yet to see a, a full book on it. So there may be one out there. If I'm overlooking something or someone, please, someone let me know. But so that was cool. So when the publisher contacted me, um, they were like, hey, give us your three or four topics you'd like to do a book on. And I pitched four topics. And this was the one that they thought was going to be the most interesting, I guess. That was the one they picked. So <laughs> Bigfoot kind of uh, fascinates me because living in England, you always think of Bigfoot uh, or the abominable snowman in the heights mm-hmm. of a mountain covered in snow or in the deepest recesses of the uh, american national parks you, you don't think of like a a bigfoot or a, a big hairy man living in in the countryside in the cotswolds or whatever in england you don't that doesn't kind of but it, it is i mean there have been reports because once i started looking into this and i started to look at other reports around the world it's more common than i thought it was it's not just one area the only reason yes. that it's kind of america and the national parks because you've got those huge areas of land literally anything could be living and and most people haven't haven't been in them. Anything. So what I was going to say to you was with the paranormal and with kind of Bigfoot, we spoke before about a connection, but people who have been in the forest, like hunters, uh, they've come up you know, face-to-face with these creatures. They seem to say, well, these guys are skilled hunters. They're very self-aware of what they're doing. They, you know, And then suddenly this, this great big seven-foot creature is stood in front of them out of nowhere. And then as if by magic it kind of vanishes and it's gone. What, what do you think is going on there? That's, see, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think with any paranormal phenomena as we understand it, that there's necessarily, well, we don't understand anything really. <laughs> We're all just trying to figure this stuff out, but you, you know what I mean. Um, I don't think there's any one explanation that's going to fit the bill of everything. So that's oftentimes where you get the theory of like interdimensional travel, like we were talking about portals a little while ago. I don't have a strong cultural knowledge of Native American 
lore and traditions, but I, I have read and heard that there are some Native American traditions that involve Sasquatch-like creatures mm. being able to turn invisible. That's an interesting concept, a really neat idea. Some of the, the folks I've talked to who do the boots on the ground research who are out there, and I've, I've been lucky enough to talk to a few of those folks in the last year, very strongly seem to lean into the, it's an unclassified animal and it's so in tuned with its environment. It's so good at being in the woods. It appears to us that it's yeah. disappeared, but who knows where it's at? I think, I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm fond of all three of those takes. Um, I'm open to the idea that there's more, of course, that we haven't thought of, but I guess I tend to, when I think of Sasquatch, when I think of Bigfoot, I kind of get a mix of those three sort of angles in my head. Maybe one of these things or some combination. Jumping back to the, the dog man phenomenon that you've, you know, you're putting this book together. So mm -hmm. is there, um, when you look at Bigfoot, there's always the kind of, as we just spoke about the UFO aspect, do you get something similar with mm -hmm. uh, the dog man, is there sort of a, a a UFO aspect to it as well? You do, you do see some of that, um, but I find that the accounts I've looked at in the state of Texas don't seem to include that element. There are some that are a little more on the spectral side of things, perhaps possibly supernatural. But the great majority of the reports we see in Texas over the last hundred years seem to lend themselves more to it's an animal. You know, it's an unclassified animal. And it's interesting that you mentioned Sasquatch because there's a lot of conjecture that there's crossover between Dogman and Sasquatch reports. And several of the people interviewed for the book made that same comparison and we kind of made those same contrasts. But there are some distinct things in the Dogman sightings that, that seem to separate them from the majority of what we think of as Sasquatch sightings. But I don't find there's as much of a UFO element with regard to that phenomenon in Texas. Moving slightly away from uh, Wild Men in the Woods and to sort of move on a little bit to uh, the paranormal, because you're not just it's not just uh, dog men and wild men that you cover. You do cover a lot of things on your show. What are your kind of favorite topics to cover? That's a fun one. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, the cryptozoology stuff. I love that. I really love the cases that straddle the line, you know, like the Mothman case, because you've got this cryptid thing, but then you've also got UFOs yeah. and you've also got the men in black. And there's so much going on there. You can spend really an indefinite amount of time picking apart different aspects and comparing them to other cases. So, you know, I have a soft spot for the Mothman case, but I guess anytime you've got something where there are multiple elements mixed in, like with Jack yeah. Parsons, you know, that's a guy who you can talk about the space race. You can talk about the war effort. You can talk about the real magic, quote unquote, and things like that. I mean, it, it's, it's just a lot to pick apart. Regarding the unexplained, the unknown, the paranormal, whatever you want to call it, have you, uh, have you ever sort of, um, had a brush with it? Um, when I was younger, I had some weird experiences that, some people would refer to as, quote, demonic possession. Not myself, but I'd witnessed someone I knew very well behaving very strangely. That's the, the simplest way to put it. And you can chalk those things up to, you know, the way you remember things over time and the way your brain can exaggerate things. You can chalk those up to being a teenager and not perceiving things correctly. All kinds of potential explanations for something like that. But at the time, it was very, very strange. And it's always stuck with me. And then recently, I've just I've, I've seen a couple weird things in the sky, literally from a distance for a very short amount of time. Could have been a drone, could have been a helicopter. Don't think it was. That's not the point. But I'm more of an enthusiast, I think, than an experiencer. You know, I've never had a look at a Sasquatch. I've never been abducted. I've never seen a poltergeist do something yeah. in front of me. I think so. that, uh, uh, I mean, I've been to places and I've, I've 
I've done vigils and stuff, and most of the time, you 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 don't nothing happens. You just eat your sandwiches, and that's it. You know, and you go. Really? <laughs> I have had uh, a few times where you've had a chill run down your spine because you feel that someone's in a room with you, and you you have that feeling, but you can't see it. Yeah, I've had that. I think I think most people have probably experienced that that yeah. you're alone but not alone. Um, yeah, I've experienced that. It's too. a very unsettling feeling because it's. Uh, it's almost like you. Uh, it's frustrating because you can't see, and you, you know, it's a. It's and it's mm-hmm. very. It's a very weird feeling. But on the topic of uh, of that and hauntings mm-hmm. and stuff, what's your take on? Um, in general, what's your take on ghosts and hauntings? I I'm of the opinion that one. I don't think we know what ghosts are. Maybe that's an overly general statement, but I feel very often when you get into ghost hunts and ghost research. Some researchers speak from a point of Mm. almost absolute authority and will tell you inconclusively that this is the spirit of a human that was here one time. Um, Personally, I don't like that idea. I hope we don't stick around after we die, you know, doomed to like throw the same rock down the same hallway over and over again. I don't want to do that. But I I, I feel like we very much too often get into that mindset that these are the spirits of people that were here before. Well, there's stone tape theory that maybe elements of the environment, certain minerals can record energy and thereby record events. Again, there's the trickster element. What if this is something just messing with us? I really like the idea of time slips. What if we're just seeing a window into the past? We're seeing an event that happened. Maybe it's because I want to make myself sound smart, but I'm always hesitant to come down on one thing. I just very much don't like the idea that ghosts are left over human spirits. I hope that's not the case. I wouldn't say that I was... 100% 100% believer and I wouldn't certainly not say I'm 100% skeptic I'm definitely a, a little bit of both I, I tend to sort of look at stuff uh, and look at you know what what is presented and then I logically think about it and come to a what I believe isn't my own opinion of what it might be going on I'm not going to say it's this or it's that I'm not going to say that's definitely grandma you know I'm not going to say that but I am going to come to my own thought process on it Ghosts have always fascinated me, and I think that hauntings mm-hmm. have fascinated me. And like you touched on, with the stone tape, with the environment being impacted in some way, uh, where people see things, fascinating. It's totally fascinating. But as you say, I I think we're a, I think we're still a really really long way off of an answer to say well it's definitely this or it's definitely mm-hmm. that. But I. I don't know if, as they say, it kind of, you know, you're on that loop. Oh, well, you, you died now, and, and now you're going to have to ride this bike up and down this road forever. Yeah, why? And I, and I feel I should clarify, because there are a lot of stories where people have interactions with beings they believe to be ghosts, or maybe the spirits of their loved ones. And those yeah. those can, you know, in some of those cases, be very beautiful, defining, important moments for those people. And I don't want to take away from those experiences and say, well, your grandfather didn't visit you. I don't know. I don't know. And I hope that you really did experience that. And, and that's wonderful. So I, sh- I don't want to I don't want to come across as too cynical because there's another side to that coin, too. But I really just don't want to be stuck in this apartment, you know, 100 years from now after I'm dead. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's uh, it's you know, it's quite a fair it's quite a fair thing to say. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I have personal I've had personal experience of that. I mean, three days after my father passed away, I heard him clearly call my name as if he was in the same room so what was all that about was that my brain sort of trying to comfort me because it sounded like a real person in the room i wasn't imagining it uh was it the stress or i don't know uh who knows but uh, people do have experiences and they do Mm -hmm. experience Mm -hmm. things that is fact but it's 
it's what are they experiencing and yeah. what is the catalyst for that to happen. So there's a lot of weird stuff out there and people do experience weird stuff. I think it's quite sad when people just sort of, you know, somebody tells them what and they go, oh, yeah, it's a load of rubbish. You just imagined it. I don't think people are making it up. Certainly no. there are examples of that. Fine. There are examples of that everywhere. But I, I don't think in general that ghost phenomena is made up or imagined. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's something going on, but uh, I don't think we've got mm-hmm. uh, all the facts at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that we've got some of the pieces, um, but I think the people there's people out there are doing some really good research and coming up with some interesting ideas, but I do think that we're a little way off of uh, any real hard yeah. evidence at the moment. So what I was going to say was... Um, the TV and media. What's your thoughts on ghost shows and cryptid shows on, on TV? Do you think that it's a, it's a good thing? I do. Overall, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I interviewed David Weatherly. I've talked to him a couple of times, and, and he and I kind of agreed that, yeah, it's, it's good that there's such – I'm just name-dropping David Weatherly. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> you know, um, right. it's good that there's such an interest. It's good that there's so much focus on this and that people are so accepting of it because it makes it so much easier for experiencers to come forward with the things that they've seen. It makes it, you know, that person that thinks they might have caught a picture of a ghost in a birthday party photo, they might be a little more likely to point that out to someone now and have an open discussion about it than they would have 10, 20, you know, certainly 30 years ago. Now, in general, when I say things in public like, well, werewolves are real, people still look at me like I'm nuts. But at least you can have a conversation about these things. And I think the TV and films have played a really large role in that. But again, whenever you have a profit incentive and these shows rely on ratings or they rely on streaming numbers or they rely on downloads to pay people salaries, um, you have to be very careful. And like there are some examples of. I'm not going to call anybody out or anything specifically, even though I have several in mind, but there are examples of documentaries in the paranormal niche that are not clearly labeled that they are actually works of fiction. There are a few on some mainstream streaming services that when you watch them present themselves as being 100% accurate, but you do two minutes of Googling and you realize this is completely exaggerated or in some cases completely made up. And I think for people who are interested in actually asking these questions and really exploring these things objectively, that muddies the waters. I think it's dangerous. But on the flip side of that, you have groups like Small Town Monsters, like we said, who are actually the ones publishing the the book I'm writing. I think I forgot to mention that earlier, who really approach this stuff scientifically. Their films are great, and I'm so glad that they exist. So double-edged sword, I guess. Just depends. Yeah. So uh, before long, you are going to be a uh, a published... uh... Crypto I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of blows my mind. <laughs> Two years ago, I was watching small town monsters documentaries, thinking it would be cool to run into Seth Breedlove at a convention, and um, you know, now we send DMs about a book I'm writing. So <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> um, before we uh, we come come to the end of this show at the moment uh, now, but I mean, before we do uh, get to the end, there is something regarding because it's kind of this episode has been a little bit crypto a bit with bigfoot and because that's kind of like mm-hmm. uh it's interesting it's an interesting topic but there was something in the news uh recently regarding someone that uh had allegedly shot a uh a bigfoot um did you i may not that? have heard about this case i'm aware there are examples of that that were blatant hoaxes and i could go on a long tirade about that but no i don't I don't think I'm aware of this one, no. Yeah, it was uh, a news report. I caught, caught a glimpse of it on social media where uh, a hunter had uh, apparently shot and killed a uh, a Bigfoot. But uh, it was, uh, once again, it's uh, someone told someone and then someone reported it. been a lot of that mm-hmm. 
uh, over the years, hoaxing. And the one that I can uh, really do think, uh, remember, is the, the two chaps that uh, actually made a full-size uh, Sasquatch from uh, like an animal mm-hmm. carcass and put it in a freezer and froze it in a block of ice and tried to auction it on a auction site. Do you remember that? If it's the one I'm thinking of, yes. Uh, I do remember that. And I, it, again, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I have a, a, a particularly yeah. strong personal ire for that, that individual. Um, <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, that, not because, oh, we almost fell for it, but because it does so much damage to the people doing real research. Does, yeah, yeah, You look at people like Eli Watson and Alex Petikov and uh, Tate Hieronymus, who literally put their lives on the line going out into these very isolated, far away, dangerous areas just to maybe capture yeah. a little bit of evidence and often not capture anything um, because they believe in really examining this stuff scientifically. And then you got some guy over here that just throws together a hoax and tries to make money off it. It just... It's a bummer. It's a bummer because most people won't take the time, at least, you know, in the mainstream, won't take the time to really look at the difference between these two profiles of Sasquatch media. You know what I mean? And it all gets lumped in the same category and it just does so much damage. It does. And it's, uh, I tend to, uh, if there's a news report on and they're reporting on a uh, a UFO sighting or or something strange and then they start the news report with the the X-Files theme, I immediately switch off. Yeah, like, come on, dude. I, I, I want to hear an eyewitness or I want to hear a credible narrator explaining, you know, what they're doing. And I do a lot of work with Paranormality Magazine. I'm, I guess I'm technically the executive editor. That's what my business card says. And, and with the magazine, we try really hard. All of our writers try really hard to approach things, just presenting the information, asking a couple of questions. But you're not going to hear us say, this is definitely proof of Bigfoot. You know, mm. and I think that's I think that's really significant. Well, yeah. Uh, you just present what's out there and let the reader make up their own mind. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's very difficult to put something out there and everyone, everyone's got an opinion. Uh, you go on the internet and everyone's got an opinion on there. And uh, it's, it's sometimes it, people can get a bit angry because, you know, apparently their opinion is better than someone else's. Oh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> they are uh, absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. And so I tend to sort of keep the forums and those kind of places at arm's length because uh, you know that's not my bag and uh, i agree i agree i like i love the internet as a resource and i i do believe there's a lot of value in secondhand anecdotal encounters um yeah it's easy to lie and make things up on the internet but at the same time, let's hear the stories. But I don't I don't get on Reddit, man. I don't like that environment. I don't get in the comment threads on YouTube. No. <laughs> I don't I don't I barely get on Twitter. I just don't want to be yelled at. <laughs> so, social media is uh not very social anymore. No. So uh anti social um, media. <laughs> and it and it does put people off. I mean, you know, yeah. uh if someone sees something and they you know, they want to put it out there, they want to tell someone. I think they're a little bit worried that if they tell someone that someone's going to tell someone else and then people will laugh at them. And it's a little bit more accepted now. I mean, mm-hmm. you, with uh, one of the good things that the internet has done is opened up the, uh, the, the ability to have a forum to talk in. But, mm-hmm. you know, back in the old days, it was, I saw that, oh, clearly you saw that because then you're just a witch then, you know, burning. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but, but now it's uh, a little bit more sort of uh, forgiving. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so I think we've come to the end of this episode, but I've still got one more question. Yes. I, uh, of course, I mean, you've got your, you got your podcast that you do with your wife, uh, Sarah, and that is uh, hopefully going from strength to strength. 
but um, and of course you got your book as well that you uh, when when's that? I mean, when are you looking to sort of get that out? When's that? Yeah, so I'm I'm wrapping up the manuscript this week and delivering the first draft to the publisher. Um, kind of just in the like design layout, moving yeah. stuff around phase right now. So, um, and then it's I, the publication time frame I discussed with uh, Seth and Heather was fall of this year, but we haven't really locked in a date. So hopefully before the end of the year here, I'd love for it to be out during the holidays so I can just give copies to everyone I know for Christmas. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of the general time frame right now. Cool. So, uh, well, apart from that, what other uh, projects have you got for this year? Anything, anything else on the uh, on the sideline? Yeah, definitely, definitely check out Paranormality Magazine, paranormalitymag.com. There's a ton of free content. Uh, I'm one of the writers. Uh, there are a lot of awesome writers on our team: Jordan Heath, Nick Valenzuela, Chaz, Chaz of the Dead, Jack Kirby, our our owner and president, Michaela Ford, Molly Briggs just joined the team this month. Sam Sheeran is our artistic director, Cody Turk. I'm trying to make sure I don't forget to name anybody, but we have a huge, awesome team. And every month the magazine covers everything from cryptozoology. You've got your monthly horoscopes. Greg Morrill has been doing a lot of pieces on like divination and, and uh, Ouija boards and stuff like that. So if you're interested in the paranormal and the unsolved, you got to check out Paranormality Magazine. Awesome. Um, yeah, definitely. And then I do a, a semi-weekly live interview show on our Instagram page um, called Strange Conversations, which is actually a lot like the conversation you and I just had, Reeves, where we just kind of go over weird stuff with whoever yeah. the guest is that week. So um, maybe you'll see Reeves on a future episode. That would be oh, cool. That would, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Put, put me on that list. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, so yeah, all the links to everything will be... Uh, in the description of this podcast episode. So yeah. anyone that uh, wants to go and visit where they need to visit, they will uh, be able to get to Please, yeah. uh, where they need to be from clicking on the links. Uh, we're also uh, we're also having a baby in a couple of months. So if I go incognito uh, for a bit, it's that's why. It's, <laughs> yes. I'll be back. <laughs> Your life is suddenly going to change. You're yes. going to get used to having like uh, two hours sleep a night. I keep hearing that. People keep yeah. telling me that. Yeah. Say goodbye <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> Anyway, okay, Aaron, thank you very much for coming on. Yes, uh, thank you. I'm sure in the future you will be back on an episode for a catch-up. Uh, oh, I'd love to. Especially when, the, uh, when you get your book launch. Uh, we'll most probably get you back on and uh, do a sort of uh, a little bit of a talk about what your book's oh, doing and to. stuff. I'd but, love to. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in and listening. And yes. until next time, see you soon. Mm-hmm.